brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Getting a divorce, even thinking about getting a divorce, can be overwhelming, scary, and sometimes exciting. Join divorce coach and mediator Mandy Walker for conversations about divorce. The more you know, the easier it will be to make your divorce healthier, less stressful, and to put it behind you. Here's Mandy. Welcome to Conversations About Divorce. I'm divorce coach Mandy Walker and today we're talking about learning to love yourself after divorce. I haven't met anyone who said that their divorce was easy. Even if the legal process was fairly straightforward, the emotional process of ending a marriage has always been challenging. People often describe it as the hardest life experience they've faced. The divorce process itself can bring out the worst in the best of us. It shakes your confidence, your self-esteem, and challenges you with self-doubt and fears of not being enough. Not good enough, not smart enough, not attractive enough, not capable enough. These are self-limiting beliefs and they hold us back from rebuilding our lives and living to our potential. The solution starts with self-love and compassion. And my guest today says that while these may be seen by the mainstream as fluffy and self-indulgent, she believes these are the cornerstone to divorce recovery and coming out on the other side whole. My guest for this conversation is attorney-turned-life coach Sunny McMillan. Sunny is the author of Unhitched, Unlock Your Courage and Clarity and Unstick Your Bad Marriage. Welcome, Sunny. Oh, thank you so much, Mandy. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so glad to have you on the show. Um, let me start off by asking you, what do you mean by self-love? Well, to me, self-love, and as you mentioned in the intro, I absolutely, I mean, full confession here, I used to think it was a ridiculous concept. And here I'm, I'm in, you know, I was, <laughs> I'm still a licensed, <laughs> yeah. I'm still a licensed attorney, but I'm not practicing. But, you know, having been in the coaching world now for several years, it's so funny to me because even when I was entering that world, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, that's the one place I'm just never going to go. Sorry, I'm always going to roll my eyes when people say self-love. But <laughs> it ended up, <laughs> I had to eat those words. <laughs> and healthy self-love is a component of my practice for sure now. And so it means to me, number one, having an awareness of self, number two, honoring that uh, awareness, what you know about yourself, what your needs, what your wants, what uh, what you know is best for your well-being, and honoring that, um, and also having 
uh, perhaps number three would be a healthy amount of self-compassion. Um, and that's kind of becoming a buzzword now. And I, I used to... Um, I used to, when clients would say, well, goodness, if I'm not really hard on myself, then how will I get anything done, for example? And I never knew what to tell them. I knew that didn't sound right. But then I found uh, there is a really nice amount of research out there on the benefits of self-compassion. Uh, and once I had some scientific basis for it, which is always important to me, um, it, you know, to have to balance that uh, with a nice um, amount of research, uh, once I had that in my hands, and I just I couldn't ignore it anymore, and it just it became evident to me that especially not only in my own recovery from my divorce, but that of my clients, that having that uh, self love foundation is just is vital. Okay, so um, when I was um, researching or reading up and reading your book and thinking about this show, um, it occurred to me though that it's it's. It seems like divorce um, maybe amplifies the absence of self-love, but a lot of those, um, the causes of it go back to childhood. Like, wh why do we why do we not have self-love to start with? Yes, it's, it's really interesting. Um, so, and I'm going to uh, butcher this a bit, and I do apologize, but it was either it was the Dalai Lama or it was the master from the East who was visiting uh, the United States, and someone asked the question, uh, so what do we do about self-hatred? And the translator is trying to explain this concept, and there's a lot of back and forth going on, and apparently, and it was, I, just, I think it was the Dalai Lama, but I do apologize, but he basically didn't have any grasp of a concept of self-hatred. That just isn't something that in his culture um, was was immediately known from birth to him as it is, I think, with us in the West. And I'm not, I don't know all the origins for this, but I, I do believe that we are, not only in family of origin, but in our culture, are not encouraged to be kind to ourselves. It's this idea of being um, very, having a very self-critical inner voice is very common um, for, I would say it definitely was for myself and definitely has been for clients. Uh, and it's, it's something that we have to be aware of, and it's a consistent and persistent effort in my experience to be able to um, have a loving inner voice and to provide that love, that compassion, and that self-soothing that perhaps we were not given as children for whatever reason. Right. So, so is your is it um, as part of this process for developing self love? Do you recommend that people kind of do a period of reflection and try and identify all those negative self messages and also where they where they may have come from? Yes, and I think you know it's interesting as a as a coach. I would say generally, I. I see myself as more forward-looking. I absolutely love to know what happened in someone's experience. I think having a compassionate witness hear a, a wound or a trauma for the first time is one of the initial steps of healing. So I think it's important to know, you know, wh what happened. But 
um, I tend to, instead of dwelling there, then look forward. Okay, how do we then reprogram the mind from a neuroplastic perspective? Um, How do we rewire those circuits to be more supportive of the places that we want to go? And so I think you mentioned earlier divorce being a, perhaps it can exacerbate or I forget, amplify, I think is how you put it. I absolutely do think that, but it's a really interesting thing because you could view that as a negative, but also I think it can be viewed as a catalyst to spur us to look at what are the self-limiting beliefs, what is the what is the critical inner voice saying that perhaps is keeping us from moving forward in a healthy and constructive way. Right. Um, and it's a really, yeah, it's a great chance for self-reflection that perhaps we don't always have because we're not taken to our knees like divorce tends to do no matter what side of it you're on. Right, right. And then I, as I was reading your book, I was reminded of the film The Help where the black nanny and maid that was played so well by Octavia Spencer says to the four-year-old child, you is kind, you is smart, you is beautiful. And I just thought, wow, you know, if we as children, if everybody as a child had those sort of affirmations every day said to them or multiple times a day, then we'd all be starting off with a much better foundation of self-love and and, um, confidence and self-esteem. You are exactly right, and it's interesting because when we are age about two through seven, our brains are in theta wave state, and that's basically the state that hypnotherapists put their clients into, and so if you think about that, that's it's by design. It's good because when you're a developing human, you need to learn quickly. You need to learn you know, how to walk, how to be in a family, how to all of these, these interactions, And um, but the bad news is around that is if your family, even if they were doing the best that they can, unless they were giving you just positive affirmation all the time and really programming you to really love yourself, you may have picked up a lot of self-talk that is not beneficial to you. And so, you know, a lot of that is in our subconscious. So mm-hmm. we really need to work consistently and persistently to change that self-talk and what you just mentioned those affirmations that Octavia Spencer did in that movie that's how we need to be talking to ourselves and if people a lot of clients don't believe me but I always point them to the research of um, I I love Dr. Kristen Neff she's my favorite she's at the University of Texas Um, she has a book called self-compassion a great TED talk if you want a little teaser but basically she's found that all the self-compassion, the research just backs it up. If we are not self-compassionate, it's a huge stress response in the body. It's the bottom line. It's terrible for our bodies and our psyche. On the flip side, when we talk lovingly in a soothing tone, just like you would talk to a child that just fell off their bike, for example, if you use a soothing tone, if you are very gentle in your touch, and I'm saying now do this with yourself, and really notice the content of the talk. That's all you have to do to be self-compassionate, and it has this wonderful reaction in the body compared to the stress response that comes with self-critical talks. So what you're saying then is that the benefits of self-love or learning to love yourself is um, they're not just psychological or emotional, it's actual physical benefits as well? Absolutely, because our, if you are yelling at yourself, uh, it's the same, your body's going to react the same as if, if your boss is yelling at you. You'll, most people go into a fight or flight or stress response, which means they're releasing a ton of those unhealthy cortisol, 
uh, adrenaline, all, I wouldn't say unhealthy. Unhealthy if it's a constant thing. You know, if you're trying to get away from a bear and then your right. body goes back to stasis, oh, that's fine. But if you are yelling at yourself day in and day out, you are constantly releasing those negative stress hormones that will really take a toll over time. So absolutely, it affects our mental and physical well-being when we are not kind to ourselves. And does, if you were getting, if you, what happens when you look for that sort of the affirmation from other people as opposed to doing it yourself? Is it different, different benefit or is it, yeah, what happens? Well, I think that's an interesting question, Andy, because I think that for my, part of why I ended up in the marriage that I did was because I was constantly looking to externals for validation. I thought that if I had, you know, the right amount of money, the right education, if I looked a certain way, that people would love me more, and therefore I would feel better. But as I mentioned in that book, I really, I think it was an interesting experience. I feel very blessed to have had it because I had a unique circumstance of so-called, in our culture at least, having it all. And despite everybody giving me the accolades or the compliments or the whatever, or me having those things that I thought would make me feel better, I still felt really crappy on the inside. So all the external validation in the world could not be heard because there was nowhere to receive it in me because I didn't feel it for myself first. It's like you've got to have a receptacle for it. Um, and so I, I would say if you're already on a healthy road of self-love, this is, this is a, well, let, me, let me put it this way. Anytime someone else would give me compliments back in the day, let's say that, that, external self, that, that external validation, I would deflect it. I would turn it back on them. I would demur. I would say if somebody said they thought, for example, just, oh, your hair looks nice today. I'd say, oh, but it's so dirty. I haven't washed it in days. You know, something like that. I never received the love, the support, the validation that they were trying to give me because I didn't have it for myself first. So I would say you've got to have it for yourself first. Then there will be somewhere to receive it if other people are then giving you love and support externally. If, does that, does that, I don't know if I articulated that very well. It, yeah, you did. It makes perfect sense because, um, yeah, I can think of hundreds of examples like, you know, of situations I've seen and I've been in myself, like you've just said. It's like you... I think once once you are uh, compassionate with yourself, then you start to you accept or you realize that the things that other people are saying are genuine and uh, come from a, a place of love and caring. Yeah, and on the flip side, you know, just as a way of generating more compassion for others, if you think about the people who are really, really ugly and mean, the bullies, just imagine their inner critic voice is probably way worse than anything you can imagine because people oh, yes. who are, yeah, it's like people who are, people who aren't hurting on the inside don't hurt other people. If people are really hurting on the inside, which means they probably have a really loud self-critical voice and it was probably something that they adopted from their family of origin or upbringing, it's like they have the loudest inner critic voice. So just know if someone is being pretty ugly, think about how ugly they are to themselves behind closed doors or in their own mind. Well, um, Sunny, um, that's a great point. And I've got lots more questions, but we're going to take a short break here. 
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Listeners, you're listening to Conversations About Divorce. I'm Mandy Walker. I'm a divorce coach. And today we're talking about the importance of learning to love yourself after divorce. My guest is attorney-turned-life coach, Sunny McMillan. Sunny is the author of Unhitched, Unlock Your Courage and Clarity and Unstick Your Bad Marriage. Now, Sunny, in your materials, you describe yourself as a happy divorcee. And I was curious what you thought was the proportion of people who experienced divorce that would describe themselves that way. Yeah, Manny, that is such an interesting question, and, and you bringing it up makes me think, you know, I'd actually like to, I'm sure there's some research out there. Um, <laughs> I will say, you know, I don't know a statistic offhand, but my response to that would be that percentage of people who are happy are the the, the ones who have, no matter what side of it you were on, whether you initiated it or whether you were the one that the, the other person delivered the news that they were leaving, I think it totally depends on what you make of it and the thoughts that you allow to dictate your life going forward. Um, so I'll just, I can use myself as an example. Um, I did, I had a really high conflict marriage. Um, my ex-husband, um, who, who has since passed in, in this year, um, but when, when we were together, he was, uh, he's an attorney, he was a trial attorney, and we had an incredibly high conflict marriage, and I ultimately, regardless of all the professional intervention we had from therapists, et cetera, we just couldn't find a place where we got to a healthy communication with us between us ever, and it, we, it took getting divorced for us to really get kind to one another and to communicate well. So even though I was the one that left marriage, ultimately, I had a huge amount of grief around that, um, and that didn't hit Mandy until about year three after I yeah. left, after, you know, the anger had dissipated, and I was really doing a lot of my own work, and uh, I could have let that grief and that guilt and that shame about how I handled the end of the marriage, how me being the one that left, even though he didn't want me to, I could have let that take me down, and it very near did at certain points, but I had to choose to look at my thoughts and see if they were actually true. And on the flip side of that, I run a divorce support group, and there are many people who come to the support group who have been left. I would say that's the majority of the people who show up. But there are some who, when we really get honest in that group and we really look back at that marriage, they acknowledge that things were not great, that perhaps it was over a long time before it was actually over, and that what they have done with their life since then perhaps would not have happened if their spouse had not done the thing that they did and left. And it allowed them to transform their life in ways that potentially may not have happened. And so I would just say I don't know the statistics on that, but I know it is directly um, related to the, the how the person lives their life going forward and the thoughts that they choose to believe going forward. Right. And I think you make such a good point there about, you know, that that's unrelated to 
who initiated the divorce and I often tell people you know who initiated the divorce really it, it, that is just you can't read anything into that because it could be right. years and years of a, a, on a on a healthy marriage that has pushed one person to say this is it they have the courage to make the change so it doesn't mean that yeah. they necessarily wanted the divorce or um or that they were um choosing another partner or, or something it's just it's simply that they initiated it so um and i and i agree with you i don't think that that's how whether somebody goes on to fulfill a, a different phase or feel that they they've transformed their life afterwards that has nothing to do with who who initiated it right i would agree with that because I, I you know i have people who sit in my office that are 20 years post-divorce, and they are still just as angry, just as wounded, because they have chosen to stay in that place. And I understand there's some very real grief, but some people stay stuck in it. Others are a couple years post-divorce coming out of it with a narcissist, some people are with a sociopath, and they have just blossomed and just, they have changed their life in unimaginable, amazing ways. And so, yeah, it just, it really depends. So, um, Sunny, you also mentioned to me that you are giving away electronic copies of your book. Can you share with our listeners how they can get that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I love giving away free copies of my book, um, and I want it to be in as many hands as possible to help as many people as I hope that it can um, by sharing my own story and also the process uh, for deciding whether to stay or go all the way through a graceful divorce. Um, the place where you can access that free book is unhitchedbook.com. It's just the name of the book, Unhitched. So unhitchedbook.com, and there you can download the book for free. My email address is there as well if you want to reach out to uh, explore things further. Great. Thank you so much. So um, let's get back to some of my questions. And I wanted to say, oh, so how do you guide people with, um, where do you start to practice self-love? Well, it really, it's, it's so simple. Uh, the, the first thing to do is start noticing how you speak to yourself. Uh, what is the voice of your, uh, what is your inner voice like? Is it a harsh inner critic or is it a uh, cheerleader supporter? And so just having awareness, noticing what your self-talk is and catching yourself. And instead of saying, oh, Sunny, you messed that up really. How could you do that? You're so stupid. Instead saying, for example, Sunny, you're human. These things happen. You're doing the best you can, sweetheart. Just, you know, sleep on it and let's get up and try again tomorrow. So just noticing the content of your self-talk. I would also say this is a really simple one, Mandy, but I alluded to this earlier. When people give you compliments or try to give you support or love, things like that, notice what your response is. So just start with the compliments. If someone says, oh, nice shot on the golf course, or oh, your clothes look nice today, instead of deferring or demurring or just really de de trying to turn the compliment back on the person, um, just try to receive it. See if you can just say thank you and bring it in. And these are just two very simple things. And then as you get deeper into the self-love work, um, of course, I always love Louise Hay's mirror work. It's tough looking in the mirror, looking yourself in the eye, saying kind things to yourself and that you love. Looking in the mirror and saying, Sunny, I love you, 
that's, uh, that can be pretty uncomfortable, but that is something that I always have clients do. Um, right. So yeah, those so are like the, the, written, the written <laughs> affirmations that you can write on post-its and stick around your mirror in the bathroom and remind yourself of those on a daily basis. Yeah, absolutely. Because keep in mind that a lot of this has been picked up by your subconscious and your subconscious is running the show about 95% of the time. Uh, so you have to really be consistent and persistent in your efforts to rewire those things. And there are some other methods that you can do to really get in there for the subconscious stuff. But yes, absolutely, Mandy, for the for just your day-to-day living that can help with that rewiring, the affirmations on Post-it notes, I keep those everywhere myself. <laughs> so, And on your note about saying um, thank you, and maybe a similar vein, was my daughter shared with me something that her yoga teacher was sharing in class is that instead of saying to people that you're sorry about some something that you haven't done like being late or like I was hiking with my kids last weekend and I was being a little slow and instead of saying I'm sorry I'm so slow say hey guys thank you so much for waiting for me thank you so much for slowing down your pace so that you can hike with me so that you can kind of just reframe it in a in a different way that doesn't put your doesn't put you um as being less than or not enough i could not agree more and i think that is a perfect example um i used to be the queen of i'm sorry for everything and it's just basically it became like i'm just sorry for my very existence <laughs> for having troubled anyone and <laughs> Yeah, so absolutely. So really appreciating yourself in that sense where you can say thank you instead of, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. That's a practice in and of Mm. itself. (laughs) So another one I was wondering about was in terms of um, creating these affirmations and rebuilding yourself is just to become aware of people who – who don't do that, people who undermine you, who put you down or – don't show compassion to you um and that's all about building different boundaries and maybe avoiding them or speaking up against them um what would you say if some of these are your closest family members like even your own kids or teenagers and college kids yeah so and are you speaking specifically in terms of within a divorce yes. or just in general yeah. well i was i was thinking yeah. specifically in divorce cuz i um I've seen some of the toughest situations is when the kids the and they're older, like late teenagers, college kids, and even adult ones get involved with the divorce because one party is oversharing the details. And it just yeah. seems like it becomes very hostile, very judgmental. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. So within divorce, the number, the first, the first step in my process, the first, foundational component, you know, this self-love is definitely a part of this, but that becoming in touch with your most essential self and knowing how to tap into the intuition and the inner wisdom that comes from that. Because, you know, with an institution as widely recognized around the world as marriage, everyone has an opinion. And you can bet your bottom dollar the people in your closest family, like your immediate family, are going to have an opinion. And often it will be very different from person to person. So, everyone is living their own story and what you need to do is to stay in your own business. Byron Katie talks about this, the buckets, the the types of business. 
And just staying in your own lane, staying in your own business, being in touch with your own inner wisdom and intuition and knowing what is right for you at the bedrock of your integrity, number one. Number two is when someone throws something at you, say it's a child, that you know you shouldn't be getting divorced. You've got to have a method, and I don't care whose method is you use. Um, there are a variety out there. I, I particularly use Byron Katie's system of inquiry with my clients, but it, it really matters not what you use. It just matters that it works for you, but a way to question those thoughts. So being able to question the thought, I shouldn't be getting divorced, and being able to find the story or the thought, the better feeling thought that works for you, that matches your integrity. Because really what, what other people are saying is not your business. Your business is to find out the bedrock of your integrity and what is true for you and live from that space, which can be hard. I acknowledge that you've right. you got to have some tools there to support you. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, Sunny, we've got a, a couple more minutes here, and I did want to ask you one more question. I think this is a um, pretty big question. Um, I see so many articles and references to narcissists and getting divorced from oh. a narcissist. Um, and I think narcissism is maybe an extreme of self-love and it's when someone else is not able to put others' needs before their own or manipulates others to meet their needs. But where's the boundary between healthy self-love and narcissism? Well, I empathy. <laughs> I think that for those, we're, and this is, not, this is not based on my own work, this is others' work, but that we're in an epidemic of narcissism right now. And the one thing that I will tell people is those who have a healthy amount of self-love also have a huge amount of empathy and awareness of the needs of others. Narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths do not. And I will tell people, I have, there are so many clients that I work with now that are coming out of relationship with narcissists. And a lot of these women have these super traits. Of, of empathy and they're professionals, they are very capable women and they get taken down by these relationships. You cannot change these people. There's a lot of research out there now to show that their brains are structured differently, they are chemically wired differently. You cannot change them. So, <laughs> sorry, I just put that out there because I'm seeing it so much these days. But yeah, you're, if, if you have awareness of others' needs and, and uh, awareness of their emotions, if you have empathy, if you're not a narcissist. So no, probably, so, yeah. so pr probably yeah, you'd ahead. have to have a lot of empathy to be able to like, recognize that harsh self-talk and then to change that around to being self-love. And so I think what you're he what I'm hearing you saying is if, if you have a need to work on self-love, then you you're not at risk of becoming a narcissist. No, I don't know. I don't think so. I, 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 it, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of debate over the years about whether narcissists is a nature or a nurture thing. And I, from everything that I have learned about this, it is a combination of both. And there, it, it is very hard for people who are true narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths, trying to give them empathy and awareness is not, they, they, they are the way that they are. And on the flip side, those that are empathic and compassionate um, are not, you're not going to turn into a narcissist if you love yourself a lot. <laughs> that is, it's quite the opposite. The more self-love you have when you are an empathic, compassionate person, the more self-love you have, it just means the more full your cup is and the more that you can give to others and help them. 
which is not what narcissists would do. <laughs> right, right. Well, that that's wonderful. Um, Sunny, we're right up on our time here. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insight. And thank you for the work that you're doing, guiding people through recovery and leading life to its potential. Yes. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you and your listeners. So listeners, we've been talking with Sunny McMillan. Sunny is an attorney turned life coach and author of Unhitched, Unlock Your Courage and Clarity and Unstick Your Bad Marriage. You can find out more about Sunny at her website, goldenoversoul.com. And do remember, you can download her book, her ebook for free at, Sunny, you want to chime in with your, your website? Yes, it is unhitchedbook.com. Thank you. Please do take heed of Sunny's advice. Start by identifying the messages you're carrying in your head and that you're, that you're somehow not enough. And listen to what you're hearing from family members and friends. This is not a one-time done exercise. Now that you're aware of this, a memory might suddenly come to mind that has long been buried. And that could throw a spotlight on a self-belief you're carrying and why you're carrying it. And same too, you could find yourself in a situation this weekend or in the evening and be find yourself chastising yourself. And then you're going to stop and say, wait a minute, this is... Why am I doing this? Why am I beating myself up? Being aware of the beliefs, I think, is half the battle towards practicing self-love. And practicing self-love, as you've heard through Sunny's conversation, is really a, a key foundation to living a fulfill, fulfilling life after divorce. I want to thank you for listening today. There'll be a synopsis of this conversation posted to my blog, SinceMyDivorce.com. And you can follow me at SinceMyDivorce on Twitter and on Facebook. I hope you'll join us again next time for more conversations about divorce. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.